2: Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and thanks for listening. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to take you around the league with DJ Shockley, the former NFL quarterback, and get you set for Monday night football between the Giants and the Lions.
1: And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today by recapping Sunday night football with Packers broadcaster Wayne Larravee.
2: Wayne, we appreciate you taking the time. Let's go back to last night's game you called in Atlanta. We know there are no excuses in professional sports, but how much do you think the Packers' injuries on the offensive line and then losing Jordy Nelson during the game impacted them?
3: Well, Brian, I think, you know, certainly the offensive line injuries changed the approach uh, offensively. It, it took them out of a more of a downfield type of passing game perhaps, and put him into a very quick, get the ball out of, out of his hands as fast as you can, short passing game to compensate for an offensive line that they wasn't weren't sure was going to be able to hold up for a you know, five-step drop and pound the football, look downfield, survey the secondary. So I think it changed some things that the Packers wanted to do going in.
1: When you look at how this team has been created by Ted Thompson and Coach McCarthy, um, it's nothing that let's just say um, worthy of allowing this team to play at its highest levels. Um, For some reason, their inability to bring in quality players from the outside to mix it up just a little bit. So guys can compete and have a healthy environment on a consistent basis. There's always been conversations because of that, uh, that Aaron Rodgers has been playing good with less. Uh, How harder will it get for him now to have the success considering what he's lost on the offensive
3: line? Well, uh, you know, I, we, anticipate those offensive tackles could be back as early as this week um you know some of the other injuries i'm not sure on jordy nelson Uh, randall cobb had a shoulder injury late in the ball game at uh, the x-rays today were very positive he's on a day-to-day situation so i anticipate he'll be playing but you know one thing that thompson did um and i thought you know his credit and his personnel department they brought in nine uh, veteran free agents onto this roster this year. And that's a little bit different than what they've done in the past. And, and I know for one thing, it's given that locker room a nice boost. And they're not sitting around waiting for second and third round draft choices to come into their own. Uh, they went out this year and they got some veteran talent that are going to be working into that lineup and backup roles in many cases. But nonetheless, experience is, uh, I think, the uh, watchword now in Green Bay.
2: Wayne Larravee, radio voice of the Green Bay Packers, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Wayne, what's the state of this defense? We know the Falcons are going to move the football well about 99% of the time, especially at home. But in the season opener, the Packer defense shined against Seattle.
3: Yeah, their problem was covering Julio Jones and to an even, well, not much lesser degree. But uh, Mohamed Sanu was very impressive in that first half as well. Um, I think everybody struggles to cover Julio Jones. He might be the best in the game right now. And, uh, you know, so I, I, that's that's one thing. But the other factor last night was Mike Daniels went out of that game real early, and that took a major cog in that defensive front seven off the field. And, and I think that was a big part of their problems as well.
1: When you look at Green Bay and, and look at their offense, Montgomery, the tailback, he's now the tailback wearing number 80, 88, but he came in as a wide receiver is this who they're going to allow to be the, the starting running back throughout the year? Because he really ran tough, but yet he is a receiver, but he plays like he's a running back. Is, is this the, uh, the way to approach uh, what they're trying to do, and will they have success doing it?
3: Yeah, Cordell, I think they will. The kid, every time I hand him the ball, he looks better and better. He makes excellent reads. Um, he has nice feel for anticipating how the blocking pattern will set up. Um, a lot of things that are natural running backs. Now, He has a running back spot. He's always had that. But he is, as you mentioned, he's a wide receiver. So his wide receiver skills and where I find that he's especially effective is when they get him out of the backfield, when they split him off the line in some of those third-down situations. Um, And, you know, now the defense has to make a decision. How do we cover this guy? Do we put a safety on him? Do we put a linebacker on him? Do we commit a cornerback to him? You know, that's the, the conundrum that he puts the defense into.
2: Wayne, you've been calling games in this division for many years. How do you see the NFC North this year beyond Green Bay? Looks like it's going to be another long and challenging year in Chicago. Sam Bradford's already heard in Minnesota, and we'll learn more about the Lions tonight on Monday Night Football against the Giants.
3: I think you've summed it up pretty well. Um, I'm anxious to see the Lions tonight. Um, They're better than advertised, better than expected, I think, and you know, um, certainly they've got the great quarterback pedigree on that football team, and I I think they're a they're a team that could challenge. Uh, there's no doubt Minnesota still has a very good defense, no doubt about that. The quarterback situation will be interesting to watch. You're right, Bradford. Uh, if he does anything consistently, it's get injured, and um, that's that's something that Minnesota is going to have to live with. But uh, they have a lot of other pieces in place on that football team. And I think the Packers are the Packers. You know, they're stressed by injury right now, but most of these guys, all of these guys that I know of, are going to be back at some point. And when they're healthy, I think the Packers are the best team in the division.
1: Yeah, and, and I hear what you're saying when it comes down to Sam Bradford and what's been consistent with him. But when he is healthy, I mean, even last year, considering they lost North Turner, uh, considering Coach Zimmer and his eye issue, he still was consistent, had one of the better passing completions in the game amongst any quarterback. Um, do you see that team being a better team to contend to win that division because of what you mentioned. The defense is really good. The young kid uh, coming in and cooked Dalvin Cook, he's running solid. Uh, The receiving core with with Diggs and also with Kyle Rudolph, he's catching the ball well. Do you see that being the the team once Sam Bradford comes back to be the one to contend against Green Bay to win that division?
3: Yeah, you know, uh, Cordell, I think Minnesota and Detroit have a chance to contend. uh, Again, like uh, like Brian said, we'll know a little bit more about Detroit after tonight. I think this is an interesting test for them. Um, but I look at Minnesota as a team, yeah, if Bradford's going to be healthy. All right, if he's healthy and, and is out there playing, he's a quality quarterback. Don't get me wrong. The problem is he's been injured so often in his career, and that's the thing you wonder, can you can they count on that? Um, but they've got, as you mentioned, a lot of other – Delvin Cook is an excellent addition to that team. They need the offense to possess the football a little bit more and give that defense a break. Because I think I thought the defense by the end of last year wore down because the offense could not uh, do its part uh, to support the team effort.
2: Wayne, we appreciate the insights. We always enjoy listening to your call along with the Rock, Larry McCarran, on TuneIn Premium as we have the Packers Radio Network. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes today on the NFL on TuneIn.
3: Great to be with you guys. Take care.
0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. TuneIn puts you on the sidelines for the 2017 college football season free all year long. Touchdown Tigers! With college football on TuneIn, hear the home and away calls for more than 100 schools live, regular season matchups and rivalry games, conference championships and bowl games, the college football playoff in January. You can listen to it all for free. At home, on campus, or in rival territory, hear the excitement and pageantry of college football all season long, free on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now it's time for comprehensive analysis of what went down on Sunday with DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback. DJ, we appreciate you taking the time so a week ago we were talking about the Falcons having a sluggish win in Chicago and all of the conversation about a Super Bowl hangover. How important then was it for the Falcons to look that good last night?
4: It was well, good to be over with you and my man Cordell. It was great to have that type of win uh, and I think it was big because it was on the, the national stage. Obviously everybody knows what happened last year and the narrative is still out there about the, you know the Super Bowl hangover and you come in playing against a, a Green Bay team that can throw it around, and Aaron Rodgers, we know that. But uh, you also are playing on Sunday night football where everybody gets a chance to to see what this new look 2017-Falcon 2017, team 2017, looked like, and you go out, and I thought it was decisive in all three phases. You got out to Aaron Rodgers. He wasn't really comfortable throughout the ball game Offensively, you were able to do what you wanted to do, and uh, I thought late in the ballgame, if you're watching it, or I was there, and he was able to – hear the crowd kind of clap and yell and be excited when the, the Falcons got into the four minute drill and they ran the ball. And I thought that the fans were a little smart about it because they, they say, Hey, this is what we should have did last year, but it was good to see that part of the game uh, happen for the Falcons.
1: Tell me about Vic Beasley. Uh, tell me how he's, he's holding up his time off. Uh, how bad is his injury? And how much will it hurt this football team knowing that they're losing their leading soccer and, and probably their inspirational leader on the defensive side of the football?
4: Well, from all the uh, word around the branch, I was up there today. Uh, he has a little uh, partial tear in his hamstring. They're hoping it's no longer than a month, but right now it seems like it'd be out for about a month or so. Uh, just rehabbing that, that hamstring. And we all know how. If you come back too early from a hamstring, that can linger into two, three months, and before you know it, you miss the whole season because of a hamstring. But having a guy like Vic who's not on the field uh, will be somewhat of an issue because of what he brings uh, to the Falcons' defensive line, especially the way he rushes the passer. He's got two sacks in two games. He's got tons of pressure. Uh, he's one of those guys that with time continues to get better. But the good thing about it is the Falcons are deeper than they were last year. Now, this might have been an issue last year when you lose a guy who was your primary stack uh, guy on that defensive line. But now you got other guys who can step up and play more. You see more of the first-round pick from UCLA, Tack McKinley. He'll, be, he'll have a bigger demand for this team now. you still got Brooks Reed, who ended the game last week versus the Chicago Bears, uh, Adrian Claiborne who plays on the other side of Vic Beasley, will be a huge part of it. So you got more depth than you had last year. So losing a guy like Vic, yeah, it's going to be something that you don't want, but you have some other guys who can step in and kind of feel that voice.
2: Going around the league with D.J. Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback. D.J., let me take you to Denver. We know the Broncos have a strong defense, but were you surprised how they dominated the Cowboys on the line of scrimmage and completely shut down Ezekiel Elliott?
4: Yeah, because when you look at the Dallas Cowboys, you always think of them as this big, you know, grueling offensive line that moves people around, and you know, the run game is just something that they're, you know, gonna do and supposed to do. And the fact that Denver took, he would have said, "Hey, we're not gonna allow you to, to just run the football on us, and you have to beat us in other ways." Was big, but also uh, that offense for Denver going out and making some plays. You saw Trevor Simeon earlier in the ball game. You know, looking like a, a future Hall of Fame the way he was throwing the ball around and making plays, and some of the guys who you haven't heard from in a long time, like the Mayor's Thomas, making plays for you in that ball game. So I think this was a big statement game for Denver as well, because they wanted to go out and establish themselves on the prime time as well against one of the top teams on the other side in the NFC in the Dallas Cowboys. I thought they did that.
1: Kansas City, how about that guy, Alex Smith? All the conversations about him not being able to throw the football down the field, uh, thread the needle uh, when it comes down to having to make tight throws. Uh, But Andy Reid looked like he has him playing really good. Uh, Give me your take on how do you think they will handle this situation with Alex Smith moving forward if he can continue this trend of playing football, completing over 70% of his passes on a consistent basis, going on a road, beating a New England Patriots team, and then having a chance to play against Andy Reid's old team, and, and come away with the victory by having some late great performances by the Justin Houstons of the world, and Travis Kelsey, one of the lead receivers on this team.
4: Well, and quarter, you know how it is, is. Any quarterback that's been in that position where you feel like your job is threatened and it's on the line, you usually step up to the occasion and you accept that challenge. And I think Alex Smith has seen the writing on the wall and it was written in permanent ink maybe when they drafted Patrick Mahomes and he had a good preseason and all the hype was on him. But he said, you know what, this is still my team. i still got a lot in me. i still got a lot to play for. And I'm going to make this hard on, not just you, Andy Reid, I'll make it hard on the entire organization who's thinking about moving on from me. And he's only going to rise. make it stop rise now. And Kansas City's going to have a tough thing on their hand, uh, especially coming up in the offseason. season. He continues that, but you talk about the the play of the defense. That's been one of the the, the right spots for them. Obviously, losing uh, their emotional leader Eric Berry was you know tough for them. But uh, you got other guys who stepping up, like the Justin Houstons of the world, who are definitely uh, fierce pass rushers coming around the edge, and they force you to play a different type of ball game because you got to account for them. Literally on every single play, like we were talking about with Denver and Vaughn Miller. So, Kansas City is a team to be reckoned with. What they did on opening night against New England, I think, set a lot of people notice. And uh, I think Alex Smith was saying, "Hey, don't forget about me now. Uh, I can still make some plays, and I'm making it hard on anybody who thinks I don't have it anymore."
2: He's Cornell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber, chatting with our friend DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback. DJ, let me take you to Seattle. Felt like a NCAA tournament basketball game, survive in advance. The Seahawks got it done, barely against the 49ers. Seattle probably still going to win that division, but are they really a contender for the Super Bowl this year, given how shaky that offensive line is? And for some reason, Eddie Lacy was a healthy scratch yesterday.
4: Yeah, you just haven't seen the consistency that you've seen out of Seattle the last few years. I think any team playing Seattle now and even going to Seattle you're not afraid of them anymore. There used to be that, that stigma. When you go to Seattle or you're playing Seattle, you're going to have a hard-nosed defense going to get at you. Russell Wilson can hurt you in so many ways, but the first couple of weeks, their offense has been pretty dismal, and nobody will be afraid of Seattle. I guarantee you in the NFC uh, when they compete against them. So I, I don't think they're one of the uh, the prime contenders who's pushing for the NFC uh, title right now. Uh, things have to change. Russell Wilson has to be better. You talk about that offensive line, and you went out and you got Eddie Lacy for a reason, and being a healthy scratch, that doesn't uh, have good signs for the future if he wanted to be a guy or you thought he was a guy that's going to come in and uh, make that weight and be a contributor. Right now he is not, and Seattle's offense is pretty dismal right now.
1: Andy Dalton for the Cincinnati Bengals. He has not thrown a touchdown yet. He has four interceptions and one fumble. He has a QB rating of 47.2. Uh, he has a QBR rating of 8.0. When you look at how this team has truly been built, uh, let's just say pretty tenacious on the defensive side of football, kind of inconsistent because of being undisciplined, but yet you see them playing good. Offensively, everything starts with Andy Dalton. Uh, You like to get a Jeremy Hill involved. Now you also have uh, Joe Mixon who's in the mix. They haven't been able to do anything constructive on the offensive side of football. When do you make the change to A.J. McCarron?
4: It's, it's tough because he is your guy. He's the guy you paid all your money to, your franchise guy, and you want to see him work through it. You want to see him, okay, have some adversity, have to fight through it and bring a team through it. And like you just mentioned, Cordell, they, he has weapons around him. They went out and drafted a very talented Joe Mixon. You still got arguably one of the top receivers in the game in A.J. Green. You got a, a complimentary second guy and, and Brandon LaFell. You got some guys who can make some plays for you and you're still not getting it done. And in the era of now where you get later in your career, you shouldn't be going the way he's going. And if for some reason, I know they like A.J. McCarron. Uh, there's been talks, you know, around the league for the past couple of years, me and him actually share an agent, and uh, my agent, you know, he, he talks about how, you know, their team's always calling about him, but I think Cincinnati knows they need him around for situations like this where they're in with Andy Dalton and him not playing well. If he doesn't play well in this next game, I think they will have to make a change because if not, you're just letting your season go to waste. You're letting all these quality players in their prime go to waste as well. You need to get some guys in there who can win games for you and move the football. Those numbers you just mentioned are terrible for a franchise starting quarterback. He has to be better well, he'll be sitting on the bench making all that money.
2: And a reminder, Cincinnati Owen 2 no touchdowns scored. Head to Lambeau Field on Sunday. It does not get any less challenging.
4: Oh, that would be great for him.
2: <laughs> Hello, Owen 3 <laughs> As we say goodbye to our pal DJ. Great information as always, DJ. We'll chat with you next Monday on the NFL on TuneIn.
4: All right, fellas. I appreciate you. i be good. You're listening to NFL No
0: Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Hey, it's Anthony Valadez. We have a new music channel exclusively on TuneIn, IndieClectic. It's home for the emerging and boundary-pushing artists, from soul to electronic, folk to world sounds, hip-hop to jazz. Music should inspire you, it should challenge you, and make you feel some sort of way. All hand-picked gems from the likes of Nick Hakim. The bands that are featured on the record are all bands that I play. What's Next, British sensation Jaybird stopped by for a live session and a performance of her single, Cathedral. Latin alternative breakout artist H.L. stopped by to discuss his inspiration.
3: There's been many phases in my life now since Harlem, but it definitely pushes me. And then going downtown, you can't get in a club, you know, you're outside and then you see like Kid Cudi going inside, you know. Just seeing all that, being right next to you, people rubbing shoulders, knowing that it's possible, it's all encouraging.
0: From the record bins to the blogosphere and into your ears, it's IndieClectic, heard exclusively on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. It's time for my partner Cordell Stewart to let loose as we find out who he wants to slash.
0: Cordell Stewart earned the nickname of Slash for his sensational versatility on the field, playing quarterback and wide receiver at a very high level. But that moniker also brings another dimension, a competitive edge that won't settle for losing. So if your favorite team is underachieving, Cordell is ready to present solutions. Buckle up your chin strap because a coaching staff and some key players are about to get
2: slashed. All right, partner, you can take that game in Denver between the Cowboys and Broncos and chop it up in a variety of ways. Where do you want to start? I mean,
1: where can you start? Where shouldn't you start? Where should you start? I don't know. It was, it was one of those games, especially for the Dallas Cowboys, that I thought was probably the worst performance, I would say, particularly for the offensive linemen that I've seen ever since I've been understanding anything about the Dallas Cowboys. Here's an offense that's been predicated on establishing a line of scrimmage, getting the running back in the backfield by the name of Ezekiel Elliott, one of the boys with the stars on his helmet, uh, to be able to get to the line of scrimmage and get some type of yards. But let's just say in this last game, there was no yards before the first contact made by any player from the Denver Broncos. And when you look at what he's done after that, he had nine attempts for eight yards. That's .88 yards per rush. When you think of the quarterback, he was sacked twice and hurried seven times. And when you look at how he played, I mean, it was everything opposite of what we've been accustomed to seeing from this Dallas Cowboys team over the last five to 10 years, let alone to what we've seen last year when it comes down to running. I wonder if once you go in at halftime, I know that the storm and everything may have delayed the game just a little bit by an hour or so which you got a sample size of what the Denver Broncos were doing to you. I wonder if they went in as if that was a form of halftime to say, you know, we need to re- reboot the system just a little bit to figure it out. But when coming back out, it was the same mess again. And then you see them trying to give Dak, uh, Des Bryant an opportunity to catch some balls, trying to target him, maybe forcing it just a little bit. But at the same time, I tell you what, Vance Joseph and this team did a phenomenal job uh, of exposing the weaknesses of this offense and I think they exposed everything. The weaknesses of this offense by the, by this Dallas Cowboys football team was the offensive line, was the receiving core play, was the running game by Ezekiel Elliott and whomever else was in the backfield. And also with the quarterback and Deck Prescott. Even though he went out in thirty or fifty for two hundred and thirty-eight yards and two TDs, he also had two INTs, which is something that we haven't seen from him in a long time for in assist of in, in, in a sense of having uh, back-to-back interceptions in a game. So uh, this was very uncharacteristic for this team, but you know what? They have to get on my slashed report to make it understood that in order for them to get this thing corrected, they're going to have to come out and play much better football. Hats off to Denver Broncos and how they played, but this was a horrible performance, not just by this offense, but also the defensive side of the football, allowing Trevor Simeon to throw Four touchdowns against this defense that started off early in the game, playing well, but because of the penalty, when they try to kick the field goal, one of the players up front put their hand on the back to get some assistance to try to block the field goal, and they end up calling that a penalty, being that that's one of the rules that you cannot – that's one of the plays you can do based on the rules, which is get assistance from the opposing team offensive line to try to make a block. And I just tell you, everything across the board for this, this Dallas Cowboys football team – was was bad to say the least and uh they have a lot to to look at when it comes to film for today as well as for tomorrow to get themselves prepared on what they're trying to do with their game plan starting on this wednesday to move forward to the next
2: game looking ahead that next game is dallas on the road at arizona monday night football yes carson palmer had major issues again yesterday on the road in indy another interception redemption late important win for Arizona in overtime in part because Jacoby Brissett threw an interception directly to Honey Badger first play of OT. Cordell what do you make of a lack of effort not just productivity from Ezekiel Elliott Elliott just nine carries for eight yards but what about the play that went viral you had and Tomlinson blasting Elliott on NFL Network saying quote he quit on his team if you watch that highlight Once the interception is hauled in, looked like Elliott really didn't try that hard to make a play.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, to be honest with you, uh, when it comes down to a lack of performance by Ezekiel Elliott, one, the performance wasn't just his fault. I mean, you can't find a hole to run through. You can't get on the edge. But when it comes to the effort of trying to make the play, when looking at that play, was he close enough? Was he able? Could he have done? Could he just give an effort? You know what? When the nose on, on Kong start tumbling down, and it just, it's, it's almost as if it's a ripple effect. Everything else you do that look like it's lackluster, uh, it, it becomes as, as extreme as you can say. Uh, you could say when Ladanian Thomason end up gauging what Ezekiel Elliott did on that one play. But, you know, hit or miss, you know, right or wrong, it was just one of those performances where any little thing that any player on this roster may have done wrong in that game will be magnified times 10. That's what happens when you lose to the magnitude in which this team lost. And uh, I'll just say this. We've seen better effort from Ezekiel Elliott, but you know what? At that moment in time in that game, it, it was it was just something for me in my mind that basically said, you know what? The, the air in this, in this sale has been taken completely out because this defense of this Denver Broncos team Vance Joseph, again, did a phenomenal job of getting his team prepared. You saw him a little bit more energetic on the sideline, which we were looking for that in the very first week of the Chargers game. Uh, but he seemed real comfortable and was in his, being himself just a little bit on the sideline. And uh, again, I think it was more of what the Denver Broncos did than it was uh, the, the Cowboys in their efforts because that's what caused their efforts to be what they were. Denver Broncos just imposed their will, and I think they play for 60 minutes to make this team actually tap out, sort to speak, when it comes down to how we've been able to see them play over the last year to even two to three years.
2: He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber. Monday edition of NFL No Huddle on the NFL on TuneIn. This is your segment, but let me use the terminology here. I'm going to slash that Dallas defense, and I told you a week ago when you had some issues with me not including Dallas in my top five, really came down to two things. I can't give them that much credit for what they did against the Giants, because the Giants, we're going to talk about the Giants and Odell Beckham Jr. coming up with a Monday Night Football preview before we're done top of the hour. Giants without Odell Beckham Jr. have no chance. So the Dallas defense replaced three quarters of the starting secondary. They look tepid at best because it's the Cowboys, and we're always talking about suspension. Dallas did not have their best rusher off the edge. David Irving out for the first four games. So Cordell, to me, the reason Trevor Simeon looked so good was a byproduct of the failings of the Dallas defense.
1: Well, I mean, when you look at what they did, Mike McCoy, particularly the bootleg play, uh, down in the red zone where he uh, ended up throwing the corner out, they did a phenomenal job on the by the two tight ends. Uh, the inside tight end actually took a step back, ended up running into the flat, so to speak. The one who was on the outside came down, bumped the outside linebacker, which stopped him from actually outflanking Trevor Simeon as he tries to go on the bootleg, which would have kept him in the pocket, but it actually created some space along the edge. And then before you know it, a ball was thrown to the back of the end zone to try to create a visual for some people based on the scheme in which I saw Mike McCoy actually put together to try to throw this team off. Look at C.J. Anderson. Uh, Look at Jamal Charles, especially C.J. Anderson. I mean, he just made some very strong runs, and you just saw a team that just... Whether it was the altitude, whether they're just their inability, Uh, you saw that team that actually created the ability uh, to be able to just open up the lanes the way they wanted to. And they played really good. I'm going to be honest with you. I think overall performance, and I'm not going to say it because of the Dallas Cowboys and how much I've given them over the years in a sense of being a good football team, but the way they played the game, offensively and defensively, I don't know if anyone could have beaten them on that day, yesterday. That's how good I saw this Denver Broncos team playing. And that was without a DeMarcus Ware. Uh, you know, you, you, you take you take a DeMarcus Ware, you put him in the mix with a Vaughn Miller coming off the edge. Sure, we can have all the superlatives we want to to say why we know this future Hall of Famer along with Vaughn Miller, if he continues to play the way he's playing, getting championships, he'll be another that'll be in the Hall of Fame. Yes, we can make that, that, that announcement and say, you know what? This is why this team is great. No, this was done by a group of players. In the secondary linebacker position, as well as up front with Derek Wolf and company and Von Miller, that really did a phenomenal job of applying pressure and forcing this team to just try to figure out how to run the football. They couldn't.
2: Think about this. Nine rushes, eight yards. Nine rushes. Well, that's also play calling. Yards. And what about the issue of Dez Bryant being targeted 16 times?
1: Well, they're just trying to find a way to get him the football and thought that was the time to do it. But here, here's my problem with that is the rhythm of the offense is, is going down the tubes. It's because you're trying to do too much for Des Bryant and his emotions of allowing him to catch the football. The heck with trying to throw it to one guy. Throw it to the guy that's open. If he's open, give him a chance. Because when I saw Akeem to Lee play him, trying to run those go routes, he kept getting pushed to the sideline. And one thing I know as a former receiver in the National Football League, what you're told is, is buy real estate. So if you're lining up on the numbers as a wide receiver, you don't want to get as you outside release to run the go route, get pushed to the side to the sideline because now the quarterback doesn't have too much area he can throw the football to you in, other than the back shoulder throw. And how many times we've seen a back shoulder throw being made by Dak Prescott and Des Bryant? Damn near every single time. So my thing is, is when looking at his routes, I know people say, oh, it's Des Bryant. Well, you know what? He needs to polish up his routes just a little bit. Because when watching some of those balls being thrown, you mentioned 16 of them. I saw a touchdown, and everything else was, was wishful thinking. He pushed off on another. It's just put your body in position, be prepared to catch the football over the outside shoulder, and give your young quarterback an area to throw the football in. Because I know how I was taught with Les Deckel, Rick Neuheisel, even Chan Gailey, is the receiver's responsibility where he starts? When he gets ready to run his route and he finishes, he wants to be back on that same track again from where in which he started. Now you buy the real estate of maybe five to maybe six yards over the outside shoulder of the receiver as you throw the fade route. Or even, you know what, you can throw it far down the football field outside and you can help let him fade to the ball. But you can't do that when you're, when your quarterback is not buying you too much real estate. And I think that's important to do.
2: Alongside Cordell Stewart, I'm Brian Weber, Monday edition of NFL. No huddle on the NFL. On TuneIn, Cordell, think about the balance of power in the rugged AFC West. Denver now is surprising 2 0. They won nine games last year, didn't make it to the playoffs. Kansas City was the two seed. Kansas City now with back to back impressive victories going on the road, defeating New England in the kickoff game. That's a good Philadelphia team they beat yesterday, and the Oakland Raiders pounded the Jets. Oakland's 2-0 as well. Let me take you to the San Francisco Bay Area. The yay area, as the kids say. You got any problems with Marshawn Lynch shaking his groove thing that long on the sideline during the game?
1: Not at all. Not at all. Let me tell you something about that. The game of football is fun, and I think sometimes you have many people that want to make the game a little bit more serious than what it is. The game is all about having a good time. Marshawn Lynch shaking his groove thing. Yeah, yeah. Show me how you do it. Cornel, now. That
2: was like an yeah. episode of Soul Train. It lasted it. so long. I loved it. Well, I don't know if they had dreadlocks way back
1: then. Don Cornelius was
2: coming it, down from the big press box in the sky.
1: Yeah, he was, but he had on the bell bottoms with the nice suit with the lapels about as big as the ones you have on your suits when we go on the road. The one you said that costs more than my car. Yes. When you look at how Marshawn Lynch was celebrating on the sideline, that brought a ton of energy to the fans. You saw the fans shaking their groove thing you saw them having fun they were celebrating they were just having a great time and of course you hear what the jets are saying basically they complained about marshawn lynch dancing because maybe that could have been either be taught taunting or or just maybe out of character in a sense of how they go about uh playing games so you know what play the game cause him to stop dancing by stopping him and making plays on your side of the football so when they didn't do it you know what it caused Marshawn Lynch to have an opportunity to shake his groove thing. you know what? Keep doing it, Marshawn. I love it. Give them more of a reason to complain because the Jets, they need to complain because they don't have a quarterback on their roster. <laughs> That's what they need to complain about. They need to stop complaining about everybody else and stay in their own wheelhouse and think about the problems they're having on their team, whether it's defensively and even offensively to allow them to get a win, let alone you never know who's not going to have a job next season because of probably this very dysfunctional team in a sense of how they play, but let alone maybe with how many losses do you think they'll have this year, Brian? The well, Jets?
2: I think we put them down for 1-15. They could duplicate what the Lions did 2008 go 0-16. There's no yeah. talent on that roster.
1: You know what I'm saying? So it's like, let's just be mindful of when we complain and what we're complaining about. Is that what, Was it hurting their feelings to see Marshawn Lynch having a good time? Keep dancing, Marshawn. You deserve it, bro. You're back in your own city you're giving your team an opportunity to, to, to have some energy that they haven't had in a very long time. I think this is the first time they had a good start since 2002, which is the year they made a run to the Super Bowl uh, with Rich Gannon as their quarterback. Uh, and so when looking at that, I have to say this, you know, just keep doing it. Keep shaking your groove. thing. matter of fact, play that song while you're up in the air. Marshall Lynch out in Oakland. Check your groove thing. Yeah, yeah. I could just see you, Brian, with your shoes on, with the the fish at the bottom and all that stuff. Like Huggy Bear from
2: Starskin Huts. Yeah, my
1: man, there it is (laughs) with the belt bottoms on. And your hair coming out of the shirt with the gold chain on with the eagle. With a little Stetson cologne on. I can see that, bro. <laughs> Drop yeah. down, get
2: your eagle on. <laughs> to amplify your point, we've talked about what a strange transition this is going to be for the Raiders. They don't go to Nevada until 2020. So I love what Marshawn Lynch did because yeah, he was connecting with the crowd. That's right. They put it on the jumbo yep. Jumbotron. That thing was a party yesterday in it Oakland. Was.
1: When the last time we saw a party like that in Oakland? Maybe when he was announced that he was coming in and maybe did the... And, and probably had a, a, a festive time, a festive. What did what, what he had? I think he rode the bike. He had a bike ride, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he
2: had a block party, the whole the thing. Block party, all
1: that did. And he and he he financed he financed it all by himself. He just did it, and everybody came out had a good time. And and I think that energy that he's bringing to Oakland is going to allow that atmosphere. Every time we look on television, and uh, we end up seeing their uh, their head coach on, on, on television, uh, he has a tendency uh, to look like he's having a good time. Even when Marshall Lynch chose to sit down with the National Anthem come week one, he didn't mind it. He was like, you know what? I support him in what he does and what he's about. If that's how we feel, that's fine. I just know I'll stand. But hey, what are you going to do? He has a right to do that. And and so you know what? He's allowing, Jack Dario is allowing the community within that, that city, let alone the team, to enjoy these last few years there in Oakland, and what better way to do it, right? Bring the home, the homegrown kid back in town, and Marshawn Lynch, who grew up right there in, in the Bay Area, who's an Oakland fan, now having a chance to play for his hometown team, and then all of a sudden you come back and bring that type of energy. Regardless if he gets over 100 yards rushing or not, still his presence alone on the field is more than enough for his for his inspiration, and let alone being able to bring attention to himself in a sense of how defensive coordinators actually game plan against the running game and this offense and what they're able to do, which is how many touchdowns did Michael Crabtree have yesterday for the card? Three, right? So you know what? The Jets need to be concerned about that and not be concerned about much else. But back to your point in talking about the Denver Broncos. Yes, this again, this has been the division when it comes down to potentially three teams in the conversation. I don't mean two of the three teams, but literally three teams that are in the conversation – that are that are talked about, maybe having a chance to get in. It's slim to none, but there is a chance, depending on what happens in the other part of uh, other part of the AFC and how they're actually playing. So Kansas City, phenomenal game again by the quarterback and uh Alex Smith and how they played not just week one with going on a scoring frenzy, but this game and how actually battling in the trenches and these guys doing a good job. So that that division, AFC West, is probably I would say one of the most competitive. Divisions nah, it's the best, Cordell, because so think far. about the Chargers. Arguably,
2: they should be two and zero. They've missed they can two be. kicks. They can't be two I kicks because it's the right Chargers. There. They can't close right games
1: there. out. They're right there, and, and Philip Rivers is still playing solid. I mean, he's, the defense is running around like they're crazy, but the luck is just not on their side. And sometimes, being able to find that way uh, to create. Uh, imposing your will on the situations and circumstances and games, you hope at some point in time through positive conversation and just hard working that something can fall your way. It's going to at some point in time. They just can't fold up. They just can't fold in or fold up, fold out, however you want to add it up, and, and give in to what's going on and just try to, you know, blame it on whatever. But they just got to keep playing until the bitter end. And if they don't, they're going to end up on the wrong end of the stick. Because right now, Kansas City, Oakland, and especially the Denver Broncos, which I talked about early this year, I basically said, I'm not giving up on the Denver Broncos team because quiet as kept. They do have a defensive-minded guy over there who I know I trust, who play quarterback behind me and Vance Joseph. I've been singing his praises for a long time. And this team still does have the makeup of being a good football team. They're believing in what Vance is talking about in his energy. And as they say in Denver, talking to friends, listening, reading, and, and seeing what they're saying, they are saying right now, in Fantasy trust, tell you what, right now, the way they beat the, the Dallas Cowboys, you better believe their confidence is through the roof, and they're ready to continue to make this run, playing their schedule, regardless of who it is. Whoever it is, they have to play. I'll tell you who it coming is. Up
2: next. They're going to Buffalo, so they're going to be oh. 3-0 to start the year.
1: Yeah, I don't want to go that far. I'll go that far, although that Buffalo
2: defense played well on the road in Carolina, in part because, as we discussed, Cam Newton just does not look like himself. Had to come off the field, came back in, and a crushing loss for Carolina. The broken foot suffered by Greg Olson, out six to eight weeks. Got about five minutes left in this segment. You mentioned Alex Smith. From a team perspective, good to see Kansas City moving on without Eric Berry. Done for the year with a torn Achilles. Heart and soul of that defense. Cordell, there are a couple ways you can view what's going on with Alex Smith. Maybe he's been motivated by the Chiefs going all in to select Patrick Mahomes' first round of the draft. Perhaps he's already auditioning for his next team. He gave another interview last week and said, I'm paraphrasing here, to quote you, he's more than sure he's going to be playing for another team next year. He thinks that the future is pretty clear he'll be moving on. Do you have a problem with him being that transparent? Do you have a problem with pundits saying that the Chiefs have already decided to move on from him? How do you see what's going on in Kansas City when it comes to Alex Smith, who's playing the best regular season football of his career?
1: Well, you know what? When, when you're playing, it's like when you're in a situation sometimes, and this is for anyone that's listening, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a business, whether it's whatever the case may be, your living situations. When you know that you're playing to be somewhere else because you see what's taking place around you, it's not favoring you. And you've rode this ride before. You've gotten on this horse. You've rode this there. You've gotten on this roller coaster. Whichever one you want to emphasize as, as, as something you've written before, you have a tendency psychologically to understand how to block out any noise because you're playing for that next place. Well, if he's having one of those out-of-body experiences right now, one where his mind is somewhere else, but his body is still there, he needs to continue to do what he's doing. I don't have a problem with it, because if that means every week he's stepping up to the plate to make plays, you know what? So be it. Scrambling in the pocket, making plays after looking like he's sacked, using his legs to get first downs, things of that nature, is something that I've always said about Alex Smith, which was, if he can throw the football down the field, if he can utilize those things that he has beneath his his ankles, his feet, if he can just play that type of aggressive aggressive football, Alex Smith can be a pretty darn good quarterback. And it seems as if when the writing is on the wall for him to ride out, he plays good football. Same thing happened in San Francisco. The writing was on a wall based on the fan base. You end up in you have Jim Harbaugh who comes in, positions him well. What ends up happening to him? He get concussed, for you know he never get a chance to see another day on the football field. Had to find his way in Kansas City. He's been playing well. But it gets to a point where you just want a little bit more, and I don't think people are being obnoxious about what they're asking for for far throwing the football down the field because what has he done in the last two games? He's thrown the football down the field, and what has Andy Reid done in the last two weeks? He's been extremely creative with how he's going about his business, whether it's from formations, whether it's for us throwing the football down the field, which no one anticipated last week, to this week being able to go out and be as efficient as he was last week, going 21 of 21 of 28, 251, one TD, having a chance to also uh, get some plays on the ground with 21 yards rushing, average 5.3 yards per rush, which is helping sustain drives. Uh, we saw Kareem Hunt. We watch how well he played in this last game. Yes, he had just 81 yards rushing, rushing but it was serviceable, giving the team two touchdowns.
2: Well, that long yeah. touchdown run really changed it was everything huge. emotionally in that game.
1: It was huge, but but that's what you want, and as I said about Travis Kelsey, who I keep saying to you, who I think is arguably one of the best tight ends nah, in the, the game. He's the best
2: tight end because Gronk is hurt again. Did you watch he's, Gronk even with a touchdown? I watched him, Reception, I'm not, he I'm looks not buying old it. to me.
1: I'm not buying it. I've been saying it for a while. While Gronk was great in the red zone, he was great for scene routes. When it comes down to using a player the way you should, Travis Kelsey is probably the well, most used well-used tight end in the game when it comes to whatever play it is you want to call whether it's running seam routes, whether it's lineup up on the outside against corner, running corners, running slants, whether it's getting shovel passes, uh, whatever the case may be hurtling players to, to jumping in midair and getting carried into the end zone, jumping from the, the four and a half yard line. Travis Kelsey has given it to you, putting up 103 yards, I think, which is a big part of why we see Alex Smith really playing some really sound football. So in the end, what am I saying about Alex Smith? What am I saying about the Kansas City Chiefs? All I'm basically saying is, is if Alex Smith, as I said before, can continue to play football by taking what the defense gives him, throwing the football down the field, I think that's when they have an opportunity to truly have a chance to be successful because you're making the defense having to honor every single part of the football field. As of lately, Alex Smith has done it. Hats off to him. When it comes down to a team being slashed, I would say you played like you were slashed, Alex Smith. Congratulations. Good job for you, my friend, and keep up the great work because I tell you what, they'll have a reason. They'll have a great reason uh, to say why. Maybe they should keep you around, but you know the move that they made in this draft uh, to get you in. And trust me, they need him to play against the Denver Broncos. to leave, end up taking one back to the house over 100 yards on his return, becoming the fourth uh, player, defensive player, all time when it comes down to catching interceptions for a touchdown. And that's even surpassing the great Hall of Famer, primetime Deion Sanders. So, yeah, AFC West, it's a lot to look forward to watching this year. Buddy.
2: As we wrap it up. I got to slash Pete Carroll and the GM of the Seahawks, John Schneider. That offensive line is a disaster. The 49ers didn't even have Reuben Foster, and it was a very long day for Russell Wilson. He's going to get killed out there. They have to upgrade that offensive line somehow, some way, even though Seattle had the late touchdown to beat the 49ers. You're listening to
0: NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. Tune in brings the best in audio to you with great podcasts from every genre. There's unscripted sports talk with the Skip and Shannon Undisputed Podcast.
2: Fair warning, Skip and Shannon may not always see eye to eye.
0: Arts with the Men's Room Daily Podcast.
2: Yeah, I mean, like I don't have six days to do nothing but draw smiley faces. That's up when your favorite pen dies. And like
0: plenty that. of comedy with shows like Harmontown.
2: Was that a sneeze or Italian? It said said frost. Frosty. Frosty? Frosty? I hope not. Listen
0: to your favorite podcasts or discover new ones today on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast today, we get our final prediction on record. What we are more than sure is going to happen on Monday Night Football.
0: It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always-changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure.
1: I'm more
2: than sure. All eyes tonight at MetLife Stadium pregame. will be on Odell Beckham Jr. trying to come back from the high ankle sprain. Here's his head coach, Ben McAdoo.
4: Biggest thing is we don't want to put a player out there that's going to do uh, any harm to himself, uh, more you know, injure himself any more than he is. Uh, it is an injury. Uh, it's a tough injury. Uh, he's fighting through it. He's doing everything he can to get back. Uh, but we're
0: going
2: to be smart with him. Cordell, even with Odell Beckham Jr., and he did not play, of course, in the season opener, Sunday night's loss on the road in Dallas. Giants now, if you factor in the playoff loss to Green Bay, seven consecutive games with 20 points or fewer. Anemic offense still... Detroit's defense is just middle of the pack. I'll pick, oh, this is tough. I'll take the Giants 21-17 at home tonight on Monday Night Football.
1: I'm going with Matthew Stafford. I think this is a revenge game from last year when his finger was injured. Matthew Stafford has been doing a phenomenal job as of lately, giving his team four touchdowns and only one INT. But he is playing the football that you need to see from this player. Uh, being able to have the comebacks in latter parts of games, uh, especially against this Arizona Cardinals football team. And so I think in the end, you know what? I like the Detroit Lions. I think they play some good football. I see them beating your Giants, the team you picked to win a division in the NFC East.